And we are live now. Recording in progress. Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the May REM board meeting. And um, before we get started, I'd like to, if we can, um, I'd like to call on uh, Commissioner Walker. Um, yes, due to an illness and possibly being contagious, I will be joining tonight's meeting remotely. Great, thank you. All right, if we can go ahead and do the roll call. Uh, thank you again, everyone, for your patience. Uh, we apologize for the delay. We had some technical difficulties that we just resolved. Uh, Vice Chair Alpert. Present. Elkstrand. Present. Johnson. Present. Kelly. Here. Marrero. Here. Marginac. Present. Mizell. Here. Walker. Here. Simon Weisberg. Here. We um, have a quorum. Thank you. And just to remind my colleagues that because we have one of our commissioners um, uh, participating remotely, we will be doing roll call votes. Um, just so don't be surprised. <laughs> All right, if we could have the land acknowledgement statement um, presented. For uh, for technical reasons, I'm going to read it this evening. Yeah, lovely. The Berkeley Rent Stabilization Board recognizes that the rental housing units we regulate are built on the territory of the Huchun, the ancestral and unceded land of the Chochenyo-speaking Ohlone people, the ancestors and descendants of the sovereign Verona Band of Alameda County, <clears throat> this land was and continues to be of great importance to all of the Ohlone tribes and descendants of the Verona Band. As we begin our meeting tonight, we acknowledge and honor the original inhabitants of Berkeley, the documented 5,000-year history of a vibrant community at the West Berkeley Shell Mound, and the Ohlone people who continue to reside in the East Bay. We recognize that Berkeley's landlords and tenants have and continue to benefit from the use and occupation of this unceded stolen land since the city of Berkeley's incorporation in 1878 and since the Rent Stabilization Board's creation in 1980. As stewards of the laws regulating rental housing, it is not only vital that we recognize the history of this land, but also recognize that the Ohlone people are present members of Berkeley and other East Bay communities today. Great, thank you. Um, we're now going to look at the agenda and if anyone has any um, changes they would like to recommend before we vote. Uh, Vice Chair Albert. Um, I will move the agenda with the following amendments um, to move item 7B, discussion possible action uh, regarding those three regulations um, to continue that item to the next month's meeting, to move item C to consent, and to move item E to consent. So that would leave item D on action. Vice Chair, you're talking about item 7C and 7D and 7E, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I just wanted to turn to um, our council if there was any other comments you wanted to make about the continuance or... Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, we uh, discovered um, some issues with presenting this this evening and would like a little bit more time to consider with staff um, and perhaps have some from the hearings unit. I'm not sure if it's going to be next month, but in another month soon um, so that we can uh, incorporate these changes in a, in a better way operationally. 
Great. So then we'll just um, continue it at, to another to month. another meeting yeah. at the discretion of staff to bring it back. That'd be terrific. Thank Great. you. Thank but you. Yeah, I'll amend that motion to say that. Great. Uh, can I get a, a second unless there's other changes that folks want to make? Okay, great. Um, all right, roll call vote, please. Um, Vice Chair Albert, I'm sorry. Could you just restate the motion, please, so I can make sure that I have it correctly? Yes, the motion is to approve the agenda, but moving, uh, continuing item B to a meeting at the discretion of staff, uh, moving item C and E uh, to consent. And these are all actually uh, 7B, C, and E. 7B, C, and E. Got it. Moving 7C and 7E to consent. Yes. Okay, okay and that was seconded by Martinak. Um, Alpert. Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Commissioner Walker, are you there? Uh, Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries 8001. She's back. Oh, Commissioner Walker, can you hear me? You're on mute, so we can't hear you. She's frozen. Yeah, she looks like she's frozen. Oh. She want to turn off the video. Her video is turned off. Yep. Here we go. There you are. Just having some tech issues. <laughs> no worries. That's in, that seems to be going around tonight. The vote was yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, motion Thank carries you. nine zero. <laughs> Great, thank you. All right, we are going to now, um, before we start the agenda, um, create an opportunity for anyone from the public to speak um, for non-agendized items. Is there anybody um, in the queue with their hand raised? Or this is the, the time to raise your hand if you are online and uh, not seeing anybody else in the, the audience other than staff. All right, um, we'll then move to public comment for items on the agenda. And that could include uh, consent. I'm not seeing any, um, I'm not actually able to see the hands raised. Okay, great. Um, then we'll go ahead and I'll entertain motions uh, regarding the consent items. Would anybody like to make a motion to approve? I'll move approval. Thank you. Anyone want a second? Second. Thank you. Uh, Board Secretary, we're ready for a roll call as soon as you are. So moved by Johnson, seconded by Elkstrand, and that was to move all consent items as written, correct? Yes. Uh, Albert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Thank you. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries 9-0. So we're now moving on to action items. Um, the first um, item is the chair update. Um, I don't have any significant updates. Um, I think the, the one thing I did want to mention is that, um, you know, obviously part of our moratorium has ended and we are starting to see um, a lot of movement at the um, county courthouse, not just um, evictions in Berkeley, but because of evictions uh, in the rest of the county because the moratorium's ended. Um, obviously, Oakland's is completely still full in force and ours isn't. But I um, I wanted to just, um, there is a, a member of our community that has been evicted by one of our affordable housing providers. Um, 
And I want us to think of him as we are doing our meeting. And um, normally we do this at the beginning that we, or at the end, um, but this tenant's name, um, actually, I guess I won't share his name in case, because we're talking about an eviction, but I am concerned that we are continuing to have evictions by our affordable housing providers. And that has continued. Um, and so I, I'm just concerned about that. And, and one of the reasons is we we actually do charge a fee towards affordable housing providers. And one of the reasons is, is because we have such high numbers of evictions. Um, I think it's something we need to continue to, to consider and, and think about. Um, all right, that is my, my update. Um, we'll move on to item D. Um, does somebody from the Lear committee, uh, committee chair Kelly, did you want to speak to that item or was there someone else on the um, committee that? I was unfortunately not at the committee meeting very, uh, to, due to a family emergency, um, but if uh, Vice Chair Alpert oh. could do our presentation, I'd appreciate that. I'm Great, I am apologize and, and condolences um, on behalf of your, your grandmother. Um, yeah, I'm happy to present that. Um, so we met as Lyra and I'll discuss the rest of the things when we discussed that committee meeting. Um, there were a number of items of legislation that we discussed at our last meeting uh, that were referred back to the Lear Committee for us to uh, evaluate. Um, a number of them we decided were not appropriate to take action on for the board. Uh, and another set of them we wanted to wait and get a little bit more information. And so I think Brian, Augusta, um, and Matt, can you, did we get a date when he was going to come back to us or were we just waiting? The motion that was made um, made did not have any date certain yeah. for further consideration of the um, of SB four twenty three and CEQA bills and any social housing bills. Um, it was just recommendation to consider at a future board meeting. Gotcha. So the way that I think he understood it, certainly the way I understood it, was is that we would get back to him okay. when we wanted further information on those bills. Gotcha. Um. Great. So then I think um, we'll probably revisit them as a committee and bring them back to the board once we have a little bit more information. But the one that we thought was appropriate to take action on was uh, SB uh, or AB, sorry, 1218, which uh, further gives rights to tenants in buildings that are being demolished, um, reinforcing some previously passed legislation. And we understood it was a fairly uncontroversial bill, but mm -hmm. definitely furthering the aims of our board in protecting people facing eviction. So um, I'm not totally equipped to answer too many questions about it, but I can try if there are any. There are any questions yet? Um, I had a question. Uh, you know, we are in the process of, you know, I guess finishing up and polishing up our demolition ordinance. And one of the things that's really strong about ours is that there's a one-for-one -one, um, at the site. Um, this one, is it limited only to when you're not, when you're demolishing things that, and then not replacing it with housing and then saying that you have to build it? Is that, is that the kind of what it's adding? Um, so I can, I will read you what the, what the summary is. Um, this bill would expand the def the demolition of residential dwelling units prohibitions to prohibit, prohibit an affected city from approving any development project that will require the demolition of occupied or vacant protected units or that is located on the site where the protected units were demolished in the previous five years, unless the conditions described above are met, uh, meaning that they are minimum, uh, replace all existing demolition, demolished units, including a minimum of residential units, allowing existing occupants to occupy their units until six months before the start of construction and provide relocation benefits to the extent where occupants of any protected units or lower income households. Was anyone able to understand nope. that quickly? 
Sorry. I'm sorry. It's fine. I mean, I could read while you were saying that. Do you want to just summarize? Yes. There is currently protections in state law for, um, I should have been like a competitive debate person. I never was. There are currently protections in state law um, for people in buildings that are being demolished and prohibitions on local governments from approving those kinds of demolitions. This would expand that um, to I think more types of development. That's my understanding. And it doesn't preempt because I think our present demolition ordinance is stronger than that because you have to actually demolish it there. I don't believe that. I mean, Brian would be the one to ask for about the preemption, but I no no discussion of preemption came up during the committee hearing. Or okay. the committee meeting. Well, I would like to make a motion that we um, send a letter in support. Any objections or anyone else want a second? A second. Great. Um, can staff uh, request our legislative aid to or legislative advocate to draft that and make sure it's sent to the appropriate committees? Great. All righty. Um, Secretary Chair, I'm sec. <laughs> oh, <you're right>. Um. <laughs> Mission Secretary, would you roll call vote? <laughs> Board Secretary? <laughs> sure. Uh, Commissioner Alpert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Yes. Kelly? Oh, yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just again. Uh, Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Marchinac? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Great. All right. Uh, moving along, we will um, now move to the information announcements and articles and media. Um, so we will move to eviction uh, moratorium outreach update. Um, I'm wondering, yes, <laughs> we have our public information unit manager. Hello. Hello. All right. Good evening, commissioners. I'm Nathan Dahl. I'm the manager of our public information unit here at the rent board. And yeah, I'd like to give an update about the eviction moratorium today's May 18th. So 18 days into the transition period, as you all are well aware, um, we certainly have started receiving copies of eviction notices. Uh, as of today, when I left the office at about four o'clock, um, we are at 23 that have been received. Um, one of those was invalid. It was for rent that was owed in April, um, and therefore, you know, seemed seems improper to pursue at this time. One of the 23 was for health and safety reasons, and the other 21 um, do appear to be valid notices that um, include the required information and are for rent owed in May. So just to remind you all, our process at the rent board is when we receive copies of these notices, we send out a template letter to the landlord and to the tenant, um, informing both parties that we have received a copy of the notice and informing the tenant of their rights and resources they may be able to pursue, particularly to, to help with rent relief if they qualify. So um, just an update there. We'll, we'll plan to come back at every meeting and keep you all up to date with the numbers here. Um, but obviously each, you know, each eviction is important. It's, it's not just sheer numbers. It's each individual household and, and tenant or tenant family um, that's affected. So, you know, we're, we're play a crucial role in, in trying to keep people apprised of their rights and the information they need to know to navigate this process. Um, 
some other updates about the moratorium and our communication efforts. Um, yesterday, we, we hosted um, a community-wide webinar. Um, we got some cross-promotion from the city manager's office. So we, we did get um, some news out and they helped to spread the word about the webinar. We hope that that collaboration and amplification of our messaging through their office can, can continue down the road. Um, and yeah, we, we still, you know, every day uh, get calls from landlords and tenants regarding the transition period, what it means, what's allowed. We've seen quite a few questions about owner movement evictions, but to date we haven't seen any of those come in as far as I know. Um, those, those are primarily handled by the legal unit, but we do you know, answer questions about the criteria and when um, those can be initiated by the owner during the transition period. So um, we'll, we'll come back to the full board and provide information and um, you know, share our actions. A couple of things that we're looking into is obviously you know, a mailer went out and there's an information item that uh, Executive Director Williams will share with you all. But our next steps there to, to, we're already in the process of planning our second mailer and then the third mailer. Um, we have received you know, strong support and indication from the city that they will reimburse the rent board for these costs. And there may be some additional funding left there. So we're looking at, at other activities or things we might be able to do to get the best bang for our buck in terms of um, you know, getting information out there in the community about the transition period and eventual end of the eviction moratorium. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions or provide further information um, that folks might want to hear about. I have some questions. Um, so you were saying that there are 23 unit, th 23 notices, and these are all notices that were served after May 2nd? Is Correct. That okay. Yes. And then um, do you have any recollection around, um, like, are they from the same building, same unit or anything? Any? Yeah. So, um, let's see here. There was one batch that came in earlier this week that had 11 all at one property. Mm -hmm. um, and was it a subsidized property or a uh, private property? Private property. And can you tell us the name? The name of the property or the address or? Well, the, the ownership. Oh, I, I don't have the ownership um, with me here, but I'm, but this is all public record. I could certainly, you know, follow up and get that information to board members or anyone who asks about. Uh, um, I, yeah. I guess if you have the address, you can just share that right now. Yeah, it that was for 1300 Delaware. And as I recall, it was um, the notices were submitted to us via email um, and from the property manager. So I, I, it wasn't from the, the property owner, but an entity managing that property. But I can certainly follow up and share that information. And do you know, um, in terms of the, do you recall who the property manager is? Which company or is it wasn't an individual? Right. I, I, I yeah. don't off the, off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and do, I think I'll let, I'm going to ask you some other questions that I don't expect you necessarily to have mm -hmm. right now, but I guess other things I'd be interested in, whether they're long-term tenants um, or is this like a student population? Um, not that we don't, it's not a much of a concern, but if these are tenancies that are only a year long or something um, versus long-term tenants. Mm -hmm. um, and then are you able to cross-reference to see if there are like habitability issues or anything outstanding? So, so yeah, just to remind the board, um, in serving an eviction notice to a tenant, 
the landlord has to do a few things. They have to um, inform the tenant, and this is specific to the eviction moratorium ordinance, right? They have to inform the tenant of their right to declare an impact or inability to pay rent due to a COVID-related reason. So that is that is something that is just for the transition period that isn't part of the regular um, good cause for eviction ordinance. Um, but they are also subject to all the requirements of the good cause for eviction ordinance too, right? So they have to affirm that the unit is properly registered with the rent board um, and they have to affirm that the unit is in um, substantial compliance with the implied warranty of habitability. So um, in the notices, they say that, but we don't go out and inspect or verify or, you know, um, you know, checked that what they're asserting is true. That could be a legal defense for the tenant, right? If they, you know, end up going to court and, and the tenant, you know, builds a legal defense that says my, my heater hasn't worked for a year, that could be a legal defense against the eviction, but it's not something that we can cross-reference or verify when we're just processing the notices at the rent board. Yeah. We're just looking at the property up on the computer and it looks like it's probably mostly students living there just based on the kind of housing that is, yeah, and yeah. But, um, I, but I no, I, I got your question down here. It sounds like the board is interested in maybe trends or themes related to tenancy type. If there's any, you know, trends or things that we're seeing as it relates to, yeah, just the data with what uh, types of tenants. I mean, our our data is limited, but we can certainly see how long they've been a tenant. Right. I also think it's important for us to identify if you know we have a lot of housing in town where it was mostly students and they weren't paying and suddenly they're out you know the city is not going to be in a position to you know use our funds um to pay for housing that work you know because students at the end of the semester may be gone mm -hmm. um so it's a different kind of debt um so it just i think as we piece together what this is all going to look like um, and so that was 11 units. And then the others, any other things others, that no, there, you noticed? No, the others, there's no, um, you know, batching or, or um, groups of addresses where it's multiple units with it at one property. No. Yeah. I think it would be good, at least, you know, to, as these are coming in, um, to note if there are any long, you know, what appear to be really long-term tenancies and to, for us to see if there's any way for us to just really do everything we can to make sure those tenants know how to access services. Um, Right. Any other questions or comments? And um, Commissioner, did you want to share some of the, I think, positive updates? Sure. Um, well, before I get to that, I was actually just looking up this um, this address on the rent registry. So there's 43 units, and most of these um, um, tenancy uh, start dates were um, 2020, 2022. So it looks like it might mostly be students. Um, but switching gears to um, my update regarding the um, the eviction moratorium um, ordinance. Um, so when when reviewing this, we discovered that there was a, um, the chair and I had been working on um, an update to this because we realized that there was an issue where um, the way the ordinance was written, it provides a tenant only three days to um, provide uh, documentation that the reason that they weren't able to pay their rents was because of a, um, a covered reason. Um, and so we have submitted, um, me, where my, my other hat in the mayor's office um, has, has submitted a um, uh, an update, an amendment to this that will be presented at the uh, June 6th council meeting. And it basically, um, it strikes um, that reference. So uh, it removes that three-day timeline. Um, 
it also makes it uh, clear that um, tenants are recommended to provide that documentation as, as soon as possible. Um, because obviously, if you realize that you're not going to be able to pay rent, but you don't notify the landlord, they do now have the right to begin an eviction process. So ideally, we would want to avoid that if you do have a code period. So June 6th council meeting will be um, the council will be voting on the um, on this amendment. And thank you so much for um, to moving that. Um, this was something that at our last meeting, I guess maybe it's two meetings ago, you know, we expressed concern and then at the four by four, um, you know, we were able to bring it to the attention of um, our council member colleagues and they took action. And um, so really kind of another a victory for the four by four being really effective. And, um, you know, I've I've been interviewed by several media outlets about our the ending of the moratorium. And it's been really nice to say, I think we we're kind of doing everything we can. Um, I think this is going to be one of these you know, moments where Berkeley did it as well as anyone can coming out of it. Um, so I just want to thank everyone and and just all of our great outreach. And um, yeah, just really want to appreciate staff, particularly on this. Thank you. Um, anything else you wanted to to share? Um, no, not not at the moment, unless there's any other questions, but there's another item I, I have coming up here. So I'll just sit here. Okay. But, but it may be Commissioner Kelly. I have a question. Um, I think the flyer was great. I think the outreach that's been going around, I've seen some of it, and I think it's very good. Um, we usually get our updates at the board meeting, and I don't want to create a big expectation on staff, but it would be possible just for the next, I don't know, six or eight weeks as this um, is really ramping up really quickly. If we could get maybe a biweekly update, you know, every two weeks maybe, or every Friday or something, just get a quick this is how many evictions have come in this week. It's a very top line paragraph just so we can know because as policymakers, it's moving so fast right now. And if there's a trend that we can notice sooner than on a monthly basis. So, so, so yeah, it's like a weekly update. I, I mean, it would be very easy, easy to, to create a table with the total number of evictions. Um, and this is pretty much what, what we have in terms of our internal spreadsheet we've been using, um, you know, our, our, our rent registry system does track evictions. We can run reports there, but during the transition period, we've created our own internal table just to keep a closer kind of monitoring on things. Um, and I am making notes, you know, where, where rent registry doesn't do this certain notes about, you know, was this eviction notice served for rent, rent owed prior to the transition period, right? Just so we can kind of track some trends that we can't otherwise keep data points on in 3DI. But I mean, if if our director agrees, it's it, it would be very you know simple for us to create that type of table and provide that information weekly. I think so. Great, thank you. I see our council. Just um, real briefly, I want to give this a, a little bit of thought um, about whether or not we should make this public, um, as as opposed to a communication to just the board members. Um, and I can get back to you guys next week about that. But I think that if we have sort of a running table on our website, it serves the same purpose. And actually, it might be something that you guys would want anyway to show how many evictions. Yeah, I think that, that as public as this can be, I think really does. Well, then that makes my job easier because I think that it would um, I, I have some concerns with it being shared as an offline communication with board members. So I would prefer it if we could just make it um a, a, a clickable link on our website that you guys can look at every as, as much as anybody else can. Okay. Yeah. And I think it would also be helpful to share that with um, our council colleagues, because I think there was significant interest at the four by four. 
we can share that with them, no problem. Great, great. Thank you. Yeah, excellent idea, Commissioner Kelly. Um, all right. Um, yes. I wanted to ask the demographics of um, of the tenants. Do you get demographics such as their ethnicity, their age, and things like that? We do not. You know, it's been something that um, the board consistently is worried about, but I think that because of, you know, well, I, I know that for my myself, the, because of 187, I mean, there's just all of these legal, I think, barriers that make it difficult for us to ask. And I think it puts, because of the fair housing laws, um, it can often be awkward. Um, well, awkward's not the right word, but it's, I have a teenager, so I use the word awkward now. Um, it, as, yeah, it's tenuous. I mean, to ask landlords to identify the race of every single one of their um, their members. I mean, I I would be, you know, I think it's something we've, you know, discussed, and you know, maybe it's time to revisit again. But it's not something that, um, as the rent board, we've ever collected because, you know, fair housing um, questions. But it it's something that could be we could revisit. Um, but I think we, yeah, I don't know. It's can be complicated, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Then. All right. We do, we do collect that information on clients we serve. On the clients we serve? Don't we, do we, uh, when we have, um, when people contact us through we don't, counseling? Okay. No. All right, we'll keep moving along. I just wanted to yeah. thank you for clarifying that, especially given your, you know, your expertise. And I just want to—I say this all the time—but we need to think about how we can get, you know, get to a place where we're identifying people of color and folks who are in their senior years, so that we can better assist them. So I'm just wondering, like, how do we do that? Because I feel like I could bet lots of money that a lot of those people on those on that list are either on the young side people of color or they may be on the other side so thank you for listening but i really do want to have more conversation with you guys about this yeah yeah um i guess i would just ask the different committee members to think about which if there's a committee that maybe wants to i mean it could fit into many um but if there's a way to help i mean i you know, in some ways, outreach, I think we've always done very affirmative, active enforcement. And, you know, we, the fact that we're tracking so closely that we send a letter out, we're, you know, Oakland doesn't do that. San Francisco doesn't do that. Um, so we do have a lot of contact with anyone who is, in, that we become in contact with. Um, I know that there was a situation, this was a couple of years before the pandemic, where the same landlord has portfolio in Berkeley and a portfolio in Oakland, served notices in both. I, because of my, I was doing legal services at the time, had tenants come in, half of the tenants had already moved out in Oakland because of these fraudulent illegal notices. And when I called, but they, I had got the packet included all the Berkeley notices. So I called over and we had already contacted them, counseled every single tenant. And there'd been like a, you know, I mean, like, and so the notices had no impact where in Oakland, they lost half the tenants 
And it took me, I don't know, lots of work to get the city attorney to even send a letter inquiring about it to withdraw them. So I think it it has it really speaks to that that while I think we don't we haven't figured out a way to effectively kind of, you know, find more vulnerable folks based on those um, demographics, we ought we do do such affirmative enforcement. Um, so I think that's the way we've tried to address that. But you know, we can always continue to do better. So. Great. Any other questions, comments, suggestions? All right. Um, where am I? All right. Copy of April eviction moratorium mailings. Um, Executive Director, did you want to comment on that or? Um, there's not really much to comment other than the fact that it's there. Uh, many of you um, have received this uh, already. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback on the mailer that went out. Uh, the second mailer that is going to go out um, will not be in this format. Um, as I have said and we have shared, it will be a postcard. So we just wanted to include it. Um, you know, the front page is more written material. The second page is a visual infographic that um, covers the touch points. And so we made sure to get this out before the transition period started, which was really important. Um, and so it is it is out there. Um, it is also linked on our website. So again, it's, it is out here for you all to see. Again, um, if you have any questions, um, I'm here to answer them. Not seeing any questions, Sam? Just I want to really, I said this in the outreach committee meeting, but I really do appreciate the tactic we're taking of sending multiple different types of communication. I think it's a really important way to engage different folks. You know, some people are going to be more likely to open a letter that has that's sealed and has an address on the back. Some people are going to be more likely to read a, a postcard. So just the, you know, no one tactic is going to get us everyone, but a diversity of approaches is really going to make sure we hit as many people as possible. Um, the one comment I wanted to make is that if we do, when we do the postcard, not to send a glossy version, but to use, um, and I meant, I think I actually brought it last, uh, at our last meeting and forgot to show it to you, but um, to use something that's, uh, it's called matte, I think, um, because when you do glossy, people just think it's like random advertising, but if you do like flat, then people call it, it's just different than all the other um, kind of more traditional mailing and the, um, the school, we're getting the name. I think it's called the, um, Berkeley schools foundation, or they had a big community event and they sent it out. They did that kind of, um, matte finish. And it was kind of interesting how many people saw it and noticed it where the city did a, a mailer, um, for the Rose garden and everybody just thought it was advertising. So it's just that Matt can make such a difference. <laughs> Matt can make such a difference. And Matt can make such a difference. <laughs> I, I think we'll want to um, pay very close attention to the action council takes on June 6th, because mm -hmm. the timing of that is going to be such that that's right around the time that our, or at least that we'll be preparing and getting ready to finalize our second mailer. So if there is a policy change related to the timeline in which someone can submit the declaration that has changed from what we've communicated, you know, over the past few weeks in webinars and in counseling calls that we would probably want to make that a, a you know, 
highlighted in the mailing um, that that change occurred. I think the reality though is um, people need to take action when they get that three-day notice. Um, So I don't know if our actual communications would need to be different. It's really going to be what opportunities they have when it gets to court. So if, and, and we would like tenants to let their landlords know so that the landlords aren't spending lots of money to go through the entire process to find out that they lose. So I don't, I mean, again, you know, I'll let staff process internally with our legal staff. Um, But I think that it, you know, it's still good for them to communicate. It's still promoted. And I think um, we still want people to take action. So if that gets people to take action, I mean, not obviously to misrepresent, but I think it's okay that we're saying to people take action when you get that three-day notice, because everybody should take action when they get any notice and figure out what they need to do. So, but I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you all think. Yeah. Did you, you're trying to, okay. Okay. all right. Uh, I agree with the chair that I think we want to make sure our materials are accurate, but I would hesitate to highlight that as a change because I would hesitate to have any tenant think that as important as that change is, it doesn't create any extension of additional time to pay rent. It really isn't a policy change. It's an administrative clarification. And so as long as our wording is correct, I don't think it's, I think, I don't think most tenants are saying they're being like, I have three days to do this thing. I think you don't really look at that until you get a notice. And so if you go and find the old flyer, it would say three days and then you'd be okay. I don't think there's going to be tenants who fail, you know, day four don't try because they saw an old flyer. But if we have the new flyers be accurate versus if we make a big highlight on June 6th, council took action to extend additional protections, there might be a danger that there'd be tenants who would think it was a bigger extension than a couple of days to file paperwork. Yeah, yeah, no, thank, thanks for that um, feedback there. And really our general messaging has been to come to our website where it's easy for us to update information and policies as they change. So maybe that's the best course of action is just reminding folks, take action, check our website because new information comes up all the time and that's where we update it first and, and quickly. Um, so, okay, no, I appreciate that feedback. Um, so we'll move on to the next item that you're listed under. Uh, update on the Remport staff outreach, April 22nd. Yeah, so um, we participated in the Bay Festival um, last month. Uh, it was really beautiful down there at the marina. This was in conjunction with the park's uh, shoreline cleanup activity that morning. A lot of people, very well populated. Um, it was very busy. Director Williams was there. Myself was there. We had a lot. We probably had over 100 people visit our table um, the time we were there. And recently, we have started to do, I don't want to call it tracking, but when we engage with people at our community outreach events, we have started to, um, in the course of our conversation, take some notes on if they are a tenant, if they're a landlord, if they live in Berkeley, <laughs> um, if they've utilized our services before. Um, and and we kind of keep it brief to that, but we are we are um, keeping some data on those points. And this this event was interesting because you know, probably 70% or so of the people we talked to did not live in Berkeley. So there were a lot of folks from neighboring communities that were out at this event at our marina. And, you know, I, I think this is important just to note because as we consider, you know, our how we utilize our resources, and I think just being there and having a presence, you know, many people, maybe landlords and others walked by and didn't talk to us, but our presence there was still important. But I think it is, it is going to be interesting and important to note, um, you know, what types of people are coming to our table and and if there are perhaps events that 
are catering more towards or have higher levels of non-residents then maybe you know if we have another option of another event that day or we're um, restricted with resources in any way maybe that can help inform us what to participate and what not to so um you know with that said um certain events i think are are really strongly populated by berkeley tenants national night out and and um you know juneteenth you know we'll see so we're 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 taking these notes as we engage with people at our at our table um it felt it felt really busy when we were there because it wasn't just a normal conversation you're also trying to take notes so we're going to try to up our um number of staff at these events as well it really seems like with the busy event like the one we experienced last month three staff people would probably be better than two just to help distributing the information and taking some notes on the conversation etc so with that said our next event will be juneteenth uh june 18th out there on adeline um if y'all haven't been to the event before it's it's busy it's a lot of fun and you should come check out our table that day um with those other people who are from other communities were they just excited about rent control and want to know how great it was or do you have any well uh, most people visit our table because they have children actually and we have a spin the wheel game and we offer candy so we've also been thinking about and that's actually a good way you know the kids come over they want to spin the wheel and and then we engage in conversation usually with the parents we do ask um simple questions of the of the young people as well. Um, we, we have some kid-friendly questions that we ask, but um, most of the time that is the way people come to our table. Other times people are like, oh, I know the rent board. Oh, I actually have a question or I want to get the most recent version of the rent guide and folks will come up to our table. But we're, we're always trying to think of ways to make our, our table engaging and draw people towards us. The giveaways help. We're going to be ordering some more of the, um, the magnets that we had had distributed before and yeah, any any ideas that you all have that which might be engaging ways to entice people to come over? Um, what I will say is that even with the non-residents, folks were interested, or, or a lot of folks had lived in Berkeley previously, um, and a, a few even said, "Oh yeah, y'all helped me out when I was a Berkeley resident. That was great." Um, but you know, it, it was interesting that people from other cities were coming to talk to us and. Remember, too, we do provide some information related to state laws and have information in our guide that is applicable to folks who live in other jurisdictions as well. And some of the conversations kind of led into into those type of situations. But, um, yeah, we did have to reaffirm that, you know, we can only really serve uh, Berkeley folks as it relates to our. You'd be surprised. We get calls from other jurisdictions, as you all know, Fairfax most re recently, because there's been some confusion about our role with outreach and and information related to their newly adopted uh, rent ordinance. But um, we do get calls from time to time from folks from other jurisdictions. L.A. Interestingly, we get a few calls a month from folks in L.A. who are, who call the Berkeley Rent Board to try to help with their situation. I'm not quite sure why. Yeah. Hope I'm not to blame for that. Um, I just do trainings a lot in LA. So, um, did you have a question? Yeah, no. I just I appreciate the um, the note about where the folks are coming from, and you know, obviously our priority is serving Berkeley residents. But I don't think it's it's necessarily a drawback if we're spreading information to nearby communities, especially about state law. I think that's a plus. Um, though obviously it does definitely. I, I agree. Reflect you know where priority should be. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I love when Berkeley can show off how good we do on, on all this kind of stuff. So hopefully we can inspire them to take it back to their, their councils. I, I will say one other thing about the Bay event and any of these larger community events, the Harvest Festival, 
Um, it is also a good opportunity for us to engage with our with other city departments that are there tabling. So I think that you know just our our presence there and and I had myself several conversations with other city departments, folks from aging services. The library was actually stationed right next to us, so right. you know we had some good conversation um, with those folks, and I think it can it can just help to build cross pollination of of you know. <laughs> What we may be offering actually gave the library folks a stack of our eviction moratorium infographic that we had, um, and I, I knew some of those folks personally and asked them just if they could post them around the bulletin boards at the library, which they said they would do. So little um, cross-pollination actions like that can be helpful too. But I do think, you know, if we're, if we're at an event um, talking to 100 people in a day, um, it's it doesn't hurt to just to get some simple data on like who we're talking to and, and try to shape our outreach at those events in a, in a way that can, um, one, be more attractive and enticing, get people information, but then also, um, you know, in a way that um, we're able to evaluate, you know, is this a, a good place? Is it useful for us to be here? Are we talking to people who need our services or are we just kind of generally here for other reasons? So, Great. Um, the next item is actually mine, um, which is that you know, a letter at the request of um, the board at the last month was sent to Assemblymember Bonta conveying our support for um, 846. Um, and then I guess the next item, the executive director, I guess you put in the article. It's the, um, the, the link um, to the Berkeley side um, article for the eviction moratorium. So I don't think the actual article is in here, but I think it's the link to the article. It's just we can't link. hear you. I'm sorry. I don't think it's the actual article. I think it's the link to the article. Okay. Did everyone have a chance to view the article? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that a resounding nod? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so it is a very, um, a very good article that covered the eviction moratorium on the transition period, um, our infographic. So I don't know that there's much to cover outside of that, but there is the link to the article. And uh, the chair covered every um, little piece of the uh, transition period. So it was a very good coverage for the um, eviction moratorium and transition period. Yeah, I mean, thank God we have some um, media that exists here at Berkeley still. Um, I also saw that it was, um, our materials were posted in the Berkeley, um, what's the other one? Not the Daily Planet, the other one. Berkeley Times? Yes, the Berkeley Times, the one that gets delivered to your house if you want. Um, they also put a full, had a full page of all the same information, so that was great. I don't know if people, I meant to also bring that. Um, there's actually a pile in here somewhere. Um, but so I really feel like we've, we're really gotten the word out. We've touched all of the important points. So, um, you know, worried about September 1st, but. And media is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Consistent. Yeah. And that was a really, I think, um, was really crucial that that was done at the beginning. There's not, we're not putting out confusing information or contradicting anyway. Great. All right. Um, wow. We are at, um, just remind folks about our June meeting, which is uh, June 5th. Uh, no. no, our June meeting is not June 5th, but the deadline for um, any topics or items um, is June 5th. And just want to put on the radar that we traditionally do not have an August meeting. 
So just in case there's anything that you feel is timely that we need to cover this summer, um, you have June and July to do that. The reason we don't normally meet in August is because council is on, there's a word that's on recess. So we are on recess. It also gives our staff an opportunity to catch up on things so that they, you know, it does take a lot of time, all of our committee meetings. That also means um, committee meetings. We do need to, um, actually, does the chair have the power to cancel the meeting or is that something we take a vote on? Uh, okay. Yes, the chair can cancel a meeting. Okay. So if I plan to cancel the August meeting and all committee meetings, so if um, anyone has any objection to that, please let me know. And um, particularly about committees, if there's something completely urgent, obviously the staff have discretion if there is something that they want to do, but um, at least from our initiative, I'm requesting we don't. So staff have that opportunity to catch up. All right. Um, uh, so Chair, sorry, do you mind if I just mention something on that note? Um, so just a reminder for those of you who may want to request that the board reimburse any stipend deductions for committee meetings you've missed, um, that needs to be submitted as an action item by the deadline. I do have a template for that. Um, I've sent it to several of you. If anyone else would like it, I'm happy to send that. But I will need that by the deadline. It does not need a co-sponsor unless you want to have one. That's it. Thank okay. you. And is there a minimum number that you can miss without having to get it, receive a deduction? No, for committee meetings, um, if you miss a committee meeting without proper notice, um, there's a 10% deduction. Then it goes up to 20%, sorry, for the second committee meeting missed. Um, for board meetings, you each of you are allowed to miss two board meetings per calendar year without any deduction. Okay. All right, so we're moving on to um, item nine, which is the uh, committee board meeting updates and announcements. Um, uh, Commissioner Walker, do you want to give an update on the budget and personnel? Um, yes, our last meeting was May 4th. Um, we got an, um, we watched the Synthesia digital video education demonstration. We had some discussion on um, uh, the attendance of the annual local progress convention. Um, we also had discussion on the current staffing model and recommendations to add a full-time position. Um, we got the third quarter fiscal year 2023 budget update. Um, and we also um, had some discussion on the fiscal year 2023-24 budget um, process. No actions were taken. Great. Thank you. Um, eviction uh, Section 8 for Closure Committee? Yeah, we did not have a meeting this month, so no updates on next meeting will be on June 13th. Great. Um, just one thought. I think that it is, it's going to be really important for us to be monitoring the foreclosure. So if, um, I can't remember what month that that is provided, but if the um, committee can kind of add that to yeah i i don't remember at the top of my head but i believe we have that um in our in our work plan for this year great just if we can do it sooner rather than later and to get and then just um if we can make sure we bring that to the the board i mean i think we always do but it should be on action and not consent um, that's mostly to staff <laughs> comment all right um on to uh lira commissioner kelly or Albert. 
Yes. Um, I chaired this meeting in Commissioner Kelly's absence. Um, and so we discussed some of what was on our agenda today. Um, we had a, let me pull it up. Um, one of, so the item that was continued, um, we discussed that. That'll be come back at a future meeting. Um, we also discussed uh, those legislative bills um, and uh, hopefully we'll also be returning to you all with some more of that legislation as it becomes appropriate and as we get more information. And we are hopefully planning to discuss um, some future amendments to the rent uh, ordinance uh, for the 2024 ballot. Um, and um, I think one of the other things I mentioned was hopefully a review of our rules of procedure, and a kind of a review of that for a future committee meeting. Great. And Matt, did you want to? Specifically, we discussed um, trying to come up with a better system to penalize for failure to turn in yes. tenancy information. Yes, thank you. And that might be a regulation change, and it might be an ordinance change. We have to come with some proposed language for the committee. Great. Uh, four by four. Committee was, we did a lot. Um, I think one was we got a report on what was happening with the, um, you know, the transition period of the moratorium. We identified the the need to um change the ordinance so that those three it was not evidence and or declaration was not required uh, within the first three days. What's great is that action was taken immediately and hopefully in June will will change so that as folks head towards the court, um, they'll still have that opportunity to provide that if they hadn't done it before. Um, we did give an update as folks asked about the demolition ordinance and that is being the mayor's office and myself are working on that um, legislation to finish up. Um, just to remind folks, we basically are trying to create a hybrid model so that when a building um, is demolished and the landlord is, is or the developer, is replacing the rent controlled units um, one for one that they don't automatically just become affordable that they ought they automatically can have both the benefits of rent control and the benefits of being um, affordable or BMR below market rent meaning that um, that you can control the beginning the inception of the tenancy those rents. Um, but also that it this it's stabilized based on the same as our rent control ordinance, um, but also has access to being able to do a petition and um, being able to receive services from from the rent board. And so um, we're we have actually a building in town that has that model. It was actually moved from one part of the city to another. And so it was rent controlled before and continues to have its rent control, but it also, they are um, below market units as well. So we are hoping to create a hybrid, which has, um, you know, the benefits of both of those models, which what's great about that is then we have to, we, we don't have to kind of, the only way to protect having stabilized units is by preventing any development, which is obviously a position none of us like being in. We're not trying to stop any construction of rental housing. We just are trying to keep the affordability. So 
we believe that it, we can do it. Um, we just need to put it in writing. But I think staff have gotten pretty far with developing the, the actual language. How did I do that? Oh, it's because you, you spoke for Lyra. Um, outreach? Um, yeah. Uh, we... Thank you. Some of what we discussed was on the meeting agenda tonight. Um, we discussed, as usual, our first item was the end of the eviction moratorium. And I really want to thank um, Nate and uh, Shauna and staff just for all the work that has gone into uh, all the outreach efforts around the eviction moratorium and all the you know outreach we've done also to the city to make sure that we're working in cooperation with them. I know it's not always been totally easy, but you know we are. It is certainly not for lack of trying on our end. Um, we're really staff is really working very hard to make sure we are getting that message out there. Um, we just we reviewed an old uh, outreach plan um, from a number of years ago and. Hopefully, we'll be coming back with I mean, not exactly that, but a similar uh, model for an outreach plan for future, probably not immediately, as we're dealing with the outreach around the eviction moratorium ending. And we did not yet discuss the um, survey, but we should be discussing the survey at our next meeting and then hopefully coming back to the board with those results, which we're all very excited for. Great. Um... And the Ad Hoc Committee on Environmental Sustainability, uh, Commissioner Martinak, you're the chair. Yeah, we. Um, this was our first meeting and it was quite uh, unlike evictions. It was a lot more um, uplifting, inspiring and fruitful. Um, we discussed the purpose and scope of the work of the committee and um, uh, one of the ideas I had when running was to find incentives for landlords to help tenants become more climate resilient. And so we were we were throwing around different ideas, what we could do. And um, our our committee chair, um, Nathan Dahl, who's sitting right here, um, He's got a lot of experience in sustainability and working with other departments of the city. So um, what we could do as the rent board uh, would be to amplify the work of the other departments to include um, um, important um, kind of practical information for tenants in our mailers, possibly, uh, our different outreach. Um, I'm going to put together uh, a draft of a plan for the next 10 months, um, kind of ideas who we can work with and which experts and departments we could invite. I believe next meeting, Office of uh, Environment and Sustainability, Do, have you found out if they could join us? Great. And um, we... Um, the part of, I mean, uh, the the committee would um, work on both sustainability and resilience, climate resilience ideas. So it's a kind of a two prong approach. Uh, most of the subsidies for, let's say, solar are for homeowners, not for tenants. So that's it may sound simple, but it's very complex and Byzantine. Uh, topic and hopefully we can put our heads together and come up with a plan and um, 
if it works in Berkeley, maybe it can be exported to other, other municipalities. It's a very important um, topic. People, I mean, just a month ago or so, we were without power for 22 hours and mm -hmm. the storms are getting worse. The heat is getting worse and tenants really have no recourse. We don't have air conditioning. We don't have awnings. We have no shade. It's very hot in the top floor apartments. The windows are really crappy, uh, single paned. They're like, you know, just basically throwing your PG&E money out the window. And uh, so there, there are lots of lots of different things that could be done. Some are the low hanging fruit, middle and a little bit higher. <laughs> I think the solar panels is kind of on the higher higher branch, but there is some low-hanging fruit uh, we can address. And our next meeting will be June 7th, uh, where hopefully we can put together a more concrete plan. Great. Well, thank you so much. I don't think it could be um, any more delayed uh, that this commission start working, uh, more committees start acting, you know, taking on this. It's it's obviously incredibly important. Thank you so much. Um, and I, I guess one thought is we, we started it as an ad hoc committee because in the past it hadn't been active. Um, and I just wonder if we can mid-cycle make it into a regular committee. Is there any action that we need to do to take that? Uh, I'll have to review the um, board rules. I think they were changed a couple of years ago. It used to be, I believe, that the chair could do it, but I think there might be need, need to be an action. I can come, I can talk to you in the next week and um, after I look at that. That would but, be great. But and then... there is no problem with creating a committee at any time during the year. I just have to look at the ac the actual um, process for that. Great. So um, unless I hear an objection from the committee members, I will bring that back for the next um, meeting. Um, so... The next uh, committee um, was set to meet the first time, and I um, failed to get there, and so there was not quorum. So I am a terrible human being. Um, but I really want to thank um, Commissioner Amarero, who was there, and um, the board uh, supervisor. No, are they called? No, school board director. Uh, McChain was there and our um, amazing director who actually got this committee going the first time in 50 years um, to have it. And I, I do humbly apologize. Um, and we will be meeting soon. Um, if there's nothing else, we will move on to updates and announcements. If this is the opportunity, if there are any um, kind of housing adjacent um, announcements that folks want to make, please. Yeah, well, and just before I get to my announcement, I just wanted to go back to the eviction uh, committee and I looked it up, but the foreclosure item will be coming up at next month's meeting. Oh, excellent. Yeah, great. Um, so my announcement, um, so last month I had mentioned um, that um, at the May 1st land use meeting, there was going to be an item um, relating to the tenant habitability plan. Um, and so that got um, approved and thank you chair for being there to help with the presentation. So now the item will be going forward to the, uh, the to the full council at the June 6th meeting. Um, 
And again, this is just a referral to no. the city manager and the city attorney to um, to create the tenant habitability plan based on you know ex existing um, ordinances like in in LA. Um, so this isn't the the final um, um, vote, but it's a it's a good step forward. Um, yes, thank you. And just also um, the same process just happened in Richmond where it's been referred. Um, and so, you know, neighbors will have that same great ordinance so soon, hopefully, someday. All right. Um, Any other uh, updates or announcements? I can share information um, via email, but there's also a budget referral that went through council, which hasn't been put in the budget yet to give money to HHCS to write a comprehensive plan on how to fund and achieve Berkeley's affordable housing goals, <laughs> which we don't have. And so the idea of the referral is to provide like a framework to say, these are the RENA goals, these are our affordable housing targets. If we, how much money do we need to do that? Where is that gonna come from, from development fees? Where's the gap? And so kind of, just like the city auditor did the um, kind of roadmap to how we would get, if we had you know, the correct funding, how we would get our roads back to like a acceptable quality. This is to try to do the same for affordable housing. And it would give us, a, I think, a more level playing field to advocate for that stuff in the future and to understand what kind of funding sources we need to create and leverage. And so I'd be happy to share that, but it would be a very helpful thing if we could get that into the budget. Great. And when is that? Um... It's in the, it's, it's gone through council and it's in the budget process. So it just needs to continue to not be removed from the funded projects list. Great. Um, do you, I just wonder if any of the folks who work with the council offices may know offhand when the next, when budget is coming back to council, just so folks who want to support um, those kinds of items uh, would, could make the effort to go and share that support. Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, um, there's generally a, um, a public hearing on the budget pretty much at every meeting. That the final vote will happen on the last meeting in June, um, which give me just a few seconds. I will figure out that exact date. I believe it is the 27th, and it is June 27th. Okay. So just want to encourage folks, you know, we are still doing hybrid um, council meetings. So, um, you know, you can watch it like you're watching TV <laughs> and then, um, you know, chime in to private provide that support um, for those kind of housing adjacent um, items. And I think, you know, these different budget ones are, are, are really important. Um, and I know that at the last two meetings ago, um, there was an approval for an additional 200,000 um, for the housing retention funds that also um, came out of um, the four by four. So again, I feel like that's more money than the rest of the county has, <laughs> um, which is troubling. But, you know, again, thank you, Berkeley. All right. Um, no one ever gives us future agenda items, but I'm just, were there any future agenda items that anyone thinks of that wants the staff to note? Seeing none, um, can I get a motion to to adjourn? I would like to move to adjourn in honor of Mother's Day mm -hmm. and all of the mothers on the board and who work for the board, if that is appropriate. That's so sweet. Second. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody want a second? I think Andy. Second. Okay. All right.
Can we get a roll call, please? Albert? Aye. Elkstrand? Yes. Johnson? Yes. Kelly? Yes. Marrero? Yes. Martinak? Yes. Mizell? Yes. Walker? Yes. Simon Weisberg? Yes. Motion carries unanimously. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone.